Hello and welcome to Through the Line, the Agency Squared podcast with me, Andy Bargery. In this episode, I'm exploring and unpacking the world of culture and specifically looking at what this means for agency businesses. And I invited Christine Mackay, who runs an agency or an animation studio called Salamandra, to join me to look at what are the elements of culture within her organization, her agency, how has she built a culture that enables her team to thrive, to work together in delivering a really great end product, and of course, enjoy working together. So if you want to learn a bit about agency culture and what that means, apart from beer on a Friday, expensive coffee and free toast, then have a listen. You might find some practical ideas you can apply in your agency straight away. Enjoy the show. Christine, good morning. Hello. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to this. Are you doing okay? Yeah, no, really good. Looking forward to another exciting week, but uh, had a lovely weekend. So it's always nice to come back refreshed and with some decent weather, sort of. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's it's a Monday morning here for those that are in the UK. And, and of course, we love to talk about the weather. So it is absolutely <laughs> glorious here. Blue skies for a nice change. So that's all good. But thank you very much for coming on to the podcast. Obviously, we had a chat before, uh, and I'm really looking forward to talking to you just to learn a bit about how you've grown your agency. So let me just introduce you. I'm bound to miss some bits out, but let me have a go. So Christine Mackay, and you run an agency called Salamandra, which is an animation studio. And what our listeners won't be able to see is you've got this fantastic animated salamander dancing around behind you on the screen, which is totally brilliant. (laughs) Absolutely love that. But your agency has, you you set it up and you've grown it to a team of about 25-ish, I think you'd said. Not not that big, no. It's uh, We're about, altogether about 16 um, oh, okay. but, uh, and growing. So, yeah, more or less that. But we, we you know, we occasionally bring in specialists uh, for certain jobs, but otherwise that's us really. Perfect. And you've got three offices, uh, one, uh, two in the UK, so somewhere in London and also up in Dundee. Dundee, Scotland, and then yes, that's right. It's Eton, which is near Windsor, Dundee, um, and then we've got um, somebody in San Francisco as well. Excellent, good stuff. And how long have you been going for? It's our birthday um, on the nineteenth, actually, eighth birthday. So yeah, so it's a. Uh, I like number eight because if you turn it on its side, it's the infinity number. So as far as we're concerned, it's to infinity and beyond. <laughs> oh, go plus light year! Come on. <laughs> <laughs> okay so what I really wanted to explore with you and unpack a little bit is culture how do you how do you build a culture around an agency that's growing and has grown to that sort of size because I think a lot of people they set out with this journey of growing an agency without really knowing what they're looking to achieve and personally in my experience I found culture was probably one of the harder things to get right and so I'd love to explore that with you. What does culture mean in your agency? How do you how do you manifest culture in physical things that people know, like touch, pick up and hold, and all that sort of stuff? So tell me a little about about the agency. How do you structure yourselves? How do you how are you organised? I suppose I think it's it's these are fantastic questions, and obviously we'll be able to touch on them. But uh, I guess if we backtrack a little bit um, before starting Salamandra, and this is the second iteration because I had salamandra.com before uh, overseas so I had a bit of experience with that and then when I set up salamandra.uk I had already some formulated ideas of how I wanted to sort of build it and run it but what really kind of uh, from a culture perspective is what sort of set it off is that I I have had some amazing experiences working client side and agency side but there have been a couple of agencies I worked in with which were kind of quite toxic 
um, environments. And I also thought, you know, gosh, if I start my own agency, I really want to avoid that and have an environment where it's a, it's a welcoming one where, you know, every voice counts, where, you know, it's not, for example, we don't do divas. Um, I think that's quite important. And a lot of agencies kind of help to allow that kind of culture. And, and we don't, we, we pick people that don't take themselves too seriously, take their job seriously, but don't take themselves too seriously. Because, I mean, I certainly don't. I take my job seriously, but I don't take myself seriously. And I think um, you've got to have humor. You've got to have humanity as well. You've got to kind of care for each other. It's it's a small team. Uh, we're still small enough that we all know each other pretty well. Um, and it's still a lot of fun. I think just um, thinking of the individual is really important too. So everything from training to um, every touch point when they join us, feeling welcome, getting a welcome pack, um, uh, getting one-on-ones with everybody in the business um, in the first week, um, making sure that that carries on. So communication, I think, is really, really key. And that communication can be anything from the core values. We've got four core values, and these we, we fashion together, um, and, and it kind of shapes shapes what we do and how we word things, um, not only internally, but w- with our, you know, external audiences whether that be stakeholders suppliers clients you name it but you know the four the four uh, core values are uh, complex simplified and that's really because we try and simplify everything for us visually we simplify everything so we're visual problem solvers so we do everything from animation to film to editing to voiceovers to you know illustrations obviously animations so mm-hmm. the, the the more we can convey complex messages more easily and memorably the better. So the complex simplify that means at every step, internally and externally, we try and simplify what, what we do. And that whether that's you know being um very we're very um what you see is what you get. We're very black and white, uh very open. Um and that's another one of our uh core values, which is transparent and bubbly. Sorry. Does that come from the, the culture you've created with the people you think the ability to distill those complex messages into something a little bit more simplified and that kind of transparency that black and whiteness is that a reflection of who you've hired I think I think it probably is um I think it's a it's a real mixture all the way around I think if you've got these sort of um core uh frameworks to start with it, it helped and, and having said that I mean these core values were built by the whole team as well so it's stuff that we worked on and we agreed on um so the last two were visually delighting and lively lounge and by lively lounge because of course a, a group of lizards is called a lounge and so we we use that term quite a lot you know that we're know a lively that. lounge and yes it's quite cute isn't it um yeah. and and we call ourselves the lizards if i'm known as the lizard lady because i've normally got a lizard standing behind me on my zooms but um i think having giving your brand personality with with an avatar or a mascot like sal our, our lizard it helps to um get that tone of voice uh, ready as well. And that tone of voice affects the culture and vice versa. Both kind of affect each other equally, I think. I think you're, I think the, if I was to look at your, uh, did you say he's called Sat, he or she, or does... Well, I mean, yeah. it's it's genderless really, but for whatever reason, it keeps being called he, but it's a, it's Sal. I mean, could no, be a boy okay, or a girl, so, we don't know. <laughs> so Sal is, is very playful, very fun. Does that come through, do you think? Is that what you're trying to communicate? Is that why you've built him in that way? Because, you know, as an agency, as a business to work with, you're quite fun, you're friendly, you're open, and, and all those lovely culture traits that Sal, I suppose, is demonstrating by bouncing around on the screen behind you. I, I think so. I think that um, it, by being fun, you can you can create a lot more by having a, 
an enjoyable environment. At the end of the day, we are at work two thirds of our lives and, and I want to make it as enjoyable as possible for as much as I can. Obviously, we work bloody hard too. We work hard, but we play hard and we sometimes forget to play because we're working so hard, but we, we ensure that we sort of have those breaks and, and do stuff that, you know, is enjoyable for, for everybody. And the one thing that we also do as well, I, I strongly believe that if you're constantly learning, you can never get bored. So uh, continuous training is really important for us. And that's we do that in lots of different ways, whether it's, um, you know, uh, teaching each other um, shortcuts and, and tricks and tips and stuff on various platforms, because uh, we've got a very open communication. It's a kind of environment where I'm really humbled to say that people feel that they can talk and approach me or anybody else in the team and talk about really important things like mental health and and those kinds of things. I had somebody approach me saying, I can't actually believe I'm talking to my boss about this, but you, you've created an environment where I feel very, very safe doing so. And uh, and I was really humbled that that sort of happened in that way. And I think it's about, I really believe that it's about humanity, about people, people are the most important things, whether it's the people you work with, the people you work for, the people that your clients, um, everybody you surround yourself with we've got enough negativity in the world i think if we make it an enjoyable environment and of course you know there's you know we're people so there's bound to be a little bit of conflict or or sadness or happiness or whatever along the way and that's what makes it interesting at the end of the day um yeah. i think that learning and development piece that's a key part of culture isn't it is you know providing the opportunities for your team to grow and it seems like that's part of what you're up to as well as giving people what was it you said every not every day is a school day that's a bit hackneyed is there something else that a moment ago uh i can't remember <laughs> doesn't matter anyway, learning and development obviously is important so how how do you how do you make that happen with the team is there a kind of structured program or is it just ad hoc do people come to you and say i want to do this or is it the other way around do you say okay it's, I think you can find it. it's a mixture actually i always ask everybody to um we have regular uh catch-ups one-on-ones that kind of stuff uh, but I ask everybody to look out for things that they might want to do, and then we can see how we can fit that in. We the company gives twenty hours of a learning a year uh, as part part of the course anyway uh, in company time. But quite often, you know, being animators, um, they're usually very very passionate about what they do, so they tend to sort of play around at night anyway and and do stuff for themselves. And and by definition, they're always learning sort of new avenues. We also have a thing called um, kind of a regular lunch and learn thing where we teach each other all sorts of things and it doesn't have to be work related but it really helps everybody with their sort of presentation skills and uh, public speaking skills and just generally getting to know each other we've done all sorts of things from sign language to creating model cardboard chairs to uh, designer chairs of course to uh, ballet classes to we've done we've also we also do fun activities so wellness wednesdays where we have uh, so we have every other week we have yoga and every other week we have coffee catch-ups where no shop talks allowed that kind of stuff and then where possible we do things obviously in real life so we've had yoga sessions out in the fields we've done kayaking we've done fundraising we've done um, scavenger hunts and uh, my god everyone's so competitive it's really hilarious so we had a scavenger hunt at the same time in Dundee and in Eton and it was like we're timing each other to get to the end of it first and then could get to the, you know, the pub for a drink but uh yeah oh, there's always the incentive is a drink isn't there it's always at the end <laughs> of <like> course <laughs> um so I guess it's it's about accommodating the team's needs and uh uh making sure that of course that they've got the kit they need you know pandemic was interesting because although we were quite lucky in the sense that um we already working with the two offices we or the two studios rather we were used to working 
you know, remotely together. And and so I guess once COVID hit and everyone was working from home, I just had to make sure that the, it, all the workstations had doubled up, which was um, interesting. But I made sure that people had broadband and things like that because obviously we're working with big files. But making sure everyone's got the right kit, is comfortable, you know, and, uh, and and can sort of be productive. And I was going to ask you because obviously two of those eight years you've been around have been working through the pandemic and all the challenges that brought with it. That remote working there feels like it was, it was almost – maybe a bit expensive buying all the new kit but in terms of culture wise it seemed seems like it worked reasonably well because you were set up with two different offices anyway yeah it did and we still managed to do things like uh we sort of sent out parcels to everybody and we could have drinks and i still have drinks and nibbles on a friday or have quizzes or we had kind of a a christmas lunch where uh we sent vouchers for because obviously in the different parts people live in different areas some are much more remote than others so Mm. um, we had to think about that and how we could have either delivery or the equivalent to drink to bring drinks and food and everything. So we could all have a, a, a all have a Christmas lunch together. So oh, it just nice. requires more organisation, but uh, you know, um, <laughs> yeah, still works. I think that. I think that is the case that remote definitely requires more organization. And I was reading something from David Baker recently. He was talking about if you have a remote setup, the money you save in rent from leasing an office space, you should spend on building the team and the culture around it and supporting the team. So it actually isn't more cost effective to have a remote team if you want to do it really, really well. I mm. thought that was quite an interesting take on that as well, is you still need to invest in the, the, the their ability to work remotely. Yeah, no, that's absolutely true. Um, we sadly we've kept our two our two studios. We've had to pay for rent throughout. <laughs> but uh, I guess it's everyone's different. Um, where we are, rents are quite hard. There's then there's not that much office space in in and around Windsor, uh, so we held on to it, and we really love where we are. So yeah, yeah, it is. It is actually. Uh, Do you find that as if you're recruiting at the moment, because obviously there's there's a challenge recruiting right now, there's a lot of demand and the talent pool perhaps is smaller than we might have thought. So it's it's definitely an employee's market, isn't it? Are you finding that location is important if you're hiring? Is that something you're looking for or is that remote first the norm these days, do you think? Um, I think it really depends on the individual. I think it's, um, you can't really tell everything with the same brush, but um I would say that, yeah, there are some instances where uh, skills are, are short. But um, I think, again, if, if it's the right fit, then hopefully we're attractive enough. It's not it's not too hard to get to Eton. And we only go in twice a week anyway. We're going on a Tuesday and a Friday. And the other three days we work remotely. So it's a, quite a nice mixture. So even if you've got a bit of a commute, it's still doable, I think. But we found that it's it's important to kind of still see each other in face-to-face it just builds rapport in a different way doesn't it um and and it's more fun it's more interactive it's more banter yeah absolutely and and, and I, I, that's one of the things i miss i think about that agency environment is the bands yeah. but i think perhaps more for the the less experienced junior members of the team is they need more face-to-face time to pick up some of those skills that perhaps is hard to learn over a teams or a zoom environment yes i think you're absolutely right because you can't look over some of the shoulders and see oh you've done it that way or Oh, you know, that, oh, that's how you do this particular thing. It makes a big difference. In fact, sadly, it's one of the reasons we haven't really had any work experience or uh, apprenticeships or anything like that for the last um, few years because, you know, it just doesn't make sense. And normally we do accommodate that as much as we can, but mm. we're, we're not doing it now until further notice. I'm not quite sure when that's going to happen. But it, it's not fair on people as well if they're coming to experience what it's like in a studio and you're only there twice a week. And when you're there, you've got, it's not like we're there all week and it doesn't matter if you've, 
you know, spending some time with, with people. So, yeah, it's changed a lot of dynamics. It makes it much harder for young people, I think, to uh, get in if everybody's working remotely and then to, to fit in as well, probably harder. Yeah, I agree. What do you fit into if there's nobody there? <laughs> How do you learn that culture, <laughs> I suppose? So talk to me about that induction process. Obviously, when you're trying to communicate the culture and the values early on, um, what's what does a good induction look like when you're trying to get somebody really onboarded into the team? I think it's a question of speaking to everybody, getting to know everybody, understanding what their their role is and how it fits in, what their experiences are, maybe giving some tidbits on clients and preferred working practices, those kinds of things, and then making sure that um, uh, there's there's enough work to keep that person busy um, in a way that is supported. Um, at the end of the day, the last thing you ever want is somebody sitting there sweating because they, they don't know what to do. A really strong mantra with us is there's no such thing as a stupid question. And usually I ask most of them, but it's just that, you know, it allows people to ask stupid questions or what, what they might think is a stupid question. It probably isn't anyway, because at least it gets off your chest and you understand things better. There's nothing worse than sitting there going, God, I can't remember how to do that on this program. And you feel such an idiot asking, but once you've asked, it's so much quicker and you haven't wasted time and nobody judges you. And it's like, you know, on to the next thing. I think when you're in an environment where to ask something like that, would you'd really lose face and you'd, you'd be sort of judged then that would be a really horrible environment, I think. I think it's about letting people settle in and uh, making sure that they understand the processes of the company, how it works, you know, the tone of voice, you know, check. I always get people to have a really good look at our website because it, it's quite an um, in-depth website, gives lots of examples of our work and our tone of voice and that kind of stuff. So I yeah, guess people can help themselves, Colin. <laughs> yeah, I think they can pre-qualify themselves in. Can I see myself fitting in with Sal and the team? I, don't know. <laughs> I was just thinking about that at the start of the conversation. You talked about you've been in environments where there was a toxic culture and it wasn't a healthy place to work. Just thinking about things that agencies should avoid doing to make sure that they don't have that toxic culture. What are the kind of things that you think make for a negative place to work, a poor culture? I think something that's too siloed doesn't help. I think um, having, and I know sometimes it's very difficult, especially if you're a very, very large agency, but try and have a platform where people can interact. We've got like a buddy system. So everyone's paired up between the two studios. uh, So it it, um, encourages more communication and more sort of, you know, the buddy catch-up, 10-minute catch-ups don't have to be about work, it be about anything. And so it means that you can get to know somebody and then we swap them around every once in a while. And then it means it cross-pollinates the, the different offices. Mm-hmm. And okay. I think that's, again, down to communication. Communication is really important and having being allowed a voice as well, I, I think is really important. Because if it's very hierarchical and people feel that they, you know, not good enough to, to make a comment, if even if they see that something's wrong, um, in fact... I was reading a, an article about the Apollo um, disasters and things like that. And that was because of that whole hierarchical thing where people didn't feel they could say there's an error and those bolts or whatever it was or the washers will, you know, heat up. And, and, and that's when there was a disaster because there wasn't enough communication through those, um, mm. you know, levels. Again, with a, with a really large agency that, ha- that has to be siloed, which I understand, I'm not quite sure what the answer is, but I would try and encourage that sort of cross communication and allowing people to to talk to each other and and you know finger pointing and stuff we never do that we don't throw people under the bus and we've actually worked with other agencies and clients who do that all the time they do it like on zoom go, oh my god imagine working there where they literally on zoom in front of another company 
chuck each other under a bus. Oh, really? I haven't seen that, but I, I can imagine it happening. And I was I was chuckling inside when you talked about don't be a diva earlier, because, you know, if you're working in an agency and it's a, it's a creative space and it's a big agency, there will definitely be some divas knocking around. So, you know, how do you... How do you manage those big personalities in a way so that you you build a team around them? Because you, you're going to come across them. They, they are in marketing. <laughs> I think I think humour has a big part in that. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, if you do things, as my mother always said to me, if you do things with a smile, you know, you can get away with murder, really. I mean, it, it's it's kind of like, you know, we've got people, we've, well, we've had people in the past that, uh, you know, try and be very patronising and that just doesn't sit well with us, you know. Yeah. And, and we'll just say, oh, you know, We'll just take the meeting. Oh, thanks. You're patting me on the head, you know, things like that. And it's just kind of, um, I think you've got to do it with humour. And then, and then if it becomes quite serious, obviously have a conversation. But, I mean, divas can still be a lot of fun. They just, as long as they're not too, I don't know, overbearing. <laughs> as long as they fit with the team. Um, yeah, as long as they're considerate. I mean, divas can be great fun, but, but not as long as they have tanties and we don't do tanties. Not too many in one space. <laughs> So what have you learned from uh, setting up the the uh, Scotland office that you're going to translate to your new growth in the US? Is that a similar growth path? Are there lessons you've learned from one remote office that you're now going to apply to two remote offices? I think, again, keeping really strong communications. We meet up twice a day, the whole gang. So we have morning meet, stand-ups and evening rushes. So that's a great way to start the day and end the day, say goodbye, you know, and 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 right. share stuff that's that's you know, we've gone through and i think if you can do it in one geography you can do it in any geography really but lessons learned it's uh one thing which is quite interesting uh, a bit of an aside is that i didn't realize that scottish law is so different to uh, english law so there, there's been a few interesting things and they've got um they've got extra holidays on the year um so we always tease them about that you know do they how many extra <laughs> days i might have to relocate They've got one extra day, uh, and now with the Jubilee becoming, I think we all get that anyway. I think that's becoming every year, isn't it? But yeah, they get one extra day. Yeah, I think so. Um, So we get an extra holiday, yeah, I think, everybody, which is quite nice. Um, Other than that, I don't know. I think we've just used the same sort of uh, formula. It's lovely to get um, different perspectives. I I, I love the, the Scottish heritage anyway, and my father was Scottish, although you can't tell by my accent, but... Uh, so for me, I'm very proud to be up there. I don't. I have been up there recently, but that was a, a gap of two years actually, due to travel restrictions yeah. and God knows what. And Scotland was quite strict, and good good for them for sticking to what they want to do. But no, I can't think of anything else off the top of my head. Sorry, Andy. Why <laughs> <laughs> not to worry? So it sounds to me like a lot of it comes down to just a good communication, whether yeah. that's uh, talking. Th- through a lunch and learn, so training, whether it's your morning stand-ups or your, did you call it a rush, an evening rush to wrap up the uh, day? Rushes in the evening, yeah. So we share. Really um, yeah, yeah. It's, it's really cool. You can share, you know, what's been created. You can see whether it's, it's um, on brief, off brief, you know, if it needs tweaking. Um, yeah. And not every day. Sometimes there's not much to show, but it's a, a chance for us to say, you know, how the day's gone and, and yeah. to say goodbye. Because otherwise it can be really, I mean, there's some companies that don't even put their cameras on. Um, we always put our cameras on with us and our clients and everything because again it's much more human isn't it to have you can see the interactions you can see expressions and I don't know it's just much nicer than just a, a photograph or that pulsates as they're talking it's a, bit, it's a robot like isn't it yeah absolutely but, yeah but I know companies that never put their cameras on it's really weird 
So it's, I don't know, it's just a, all down to preferences, I suppose. But I think it just cuts through some of that remoteness of being not face-to-face to have as much as much um, visual and auditory um, communication that you can really. Yeah, I agree. I think video calls are, are here to stay for the, for the long term, you know, because we've we've we adapted quite quickly when the pandemic hit but actually it's now just natural isn't it to, when you're talking to somebody yeah. it's, like, it's great to see you in person even though we're not in the same space it will be a very different conversation if I couldn't see the way you were reacting to our conversation for example so yeah. it's, it's nice um, yeah. and other bits of communication you talked about in terms of involving the team in creating the values is really good communication through the induction process so good communication it just seems like that's the center of culture really isn't it making sure that everyone is able to communicate and collaborate work together i think so and i think people bring all sorts of things um into the conversation too which is absolutely wonderful and and the more diverse the better really because you know with different cultures different uh, experiences this is how we get better ideas and and, and better approaches and it, you know constantly learning um everything from i don't know people's superstitions or or there's uh, the fairy tales they were told as kids and things like that because everyone's quite different. They've got, you know, grew up in different places or they've got maybe different languages or, you know, things like that. And, and that's, I think, what makes it a richer environment and that we can all, I don't know, just become better creators um, and, yeah. Um, yeah, better colleagues, I suppose. Good creativity comes from lots of different inspiration, doesn't it? And so if you've got diversity within the team, different backgrounds, different upbringings, you'll have a much more uh, rich pool of inspiration to go fishing in, I suppose. So, yeah, I totally agree with that. And do you know what's interesting as well is that when we get a brief or something comes up in a conversation, this has happened a few times, is that a few of us will have completely different takes on it and a different a visual approach altogether because our takes have been quite different. And that is proof that that does work. Because you've got obviously different world perspectives. We all have different world perspectives, but with those perspectives, you get a very different, um, how shall I say, uh, multi-dimensional approach, if yes. you like. Okay. Uh, yeah. So for us, it's, it's fantastic because you know we're conveying ideas into images. So um, to do that, we do have to have that multi-dimensional ideation, if you like. So it really helps with us. I'm sure yeah. it can help with any any company. I totally agree. And I think having that diversity as well removes the the, the leaning on a diva all the time. You know, you've got lots of different perspectives rather than just following one. Mm. Uh, and that gives you extra creative insight, I suppose. Mm. Yeah, okay. Interesting. Okay, so where should people go if they want to find out more, get in touch, if they want to find out about some of the things you're up to at Salamandra? Is there is it salamandra.uk? But is there a is there a LinkedIn profile or somewhere else? Yes, How there's, if you can find us on LinkedIn and salamandra.uk, we're on uh, Twitter and um, Instagram and uh, Facebook, you name it, pretty much. We're on Dribble, we're on all sorts of different uh, creative websites as well. But yeah, salamandra.com, uh, .uk, gosh, how can I get that wrong? <laughs> salamandra.uk um, <laughs> is, is the place to go. <laughs> Perfect. Well, look, Christine, thanks for joining me on the show. It's been really interesting to have a little look at the... the um, the inside of Salamandra, shall we say, a little bit of insight into your culture and how you run the business. So thank you very much. And thanks, yeah, look Andy. forward to chatting again. Brilliant. Thanks a lot, Andy. Take care.